0: Welcome to the Smart Thinking podcast. This is my dad,
1: Ted. Welcome to the Smart Thinking podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. Well, some of you have launched your school year, some of you are in the middle of your normal life, and others are waiting to see what happens and what the world will bring them next. Like every day, we have a choice as we step out into the unknown of what a day can bring us. And it was a conversation like this with my son that sparked this week's episode. I've always been weirdly impressed with people who live their life looking for signs to use as justification for how their entire day will be. I've really never understood people who count bad things in threes or use omens as indicators that the rest of the day is going to be bad or that life is going to deliver some unknown bad luck because of a a ladder, a cat, a mirror, whatever. I've always found that if you look for the negative, you'll find it. If you believe you're doomed, well, you're dooming yourself. And if you see others as the lucky ones, you'll be devoured by jealousy. This week, I want to do some smart thinking about a framework and a mindset to support your inner buffalo and, more importantly, your leadership. You know your ability to influence others with your presence. Because remember, a leader is anyone who has influence over another person, and that influence is fueled through perseverance, tenacity, and optimism, allowing you to charge into the storms that you're facing. Fuel that with the ability to look back at what you did for others each day and as you move forward, well, fuel that will fill you with wisdom and the ability to support others from your own life experiences. Two things, remembering your influence and then reflecting on the journey. A great leader is simply aware of her presence in the moment, thinking empathetically and most importantly, curiously, looking at each situation they find themselves in. And it is the behavior of being curious that I want to focus on in this episode. Many of you have likely heard of asset versus deficit thinking, and I want to review that with you through your and our smart thinking lens and I want to give you a framework for it as well. However, and ultimately, I want you to get curious as to why someone would choose to operate looking at or for the deficits of every situation they are in. It's tough when you're around people like that. Now, asset thinking is pretty simple. You're looking for the good and focusing on the strengths. Deficit seeking and deficit thinking is looking for the bad and focusing on the weaknesses around you. Over the course of my life, I feel like more people are deficit thinkers and seem to always be seeing what is wrong with others, a situation, a result, or just the space that they're in. Failure for me is a short sting and motivates me to think of all that has was learned on the journey and how to keep going forward. I've coached lots of teams and learned a long time ago to stop people in their tracks when they use STEM sentences, and when I say it, I want you to think about the STEM sentence about giving yourself permission to interrupt people when they say the following thing. Well, I'll tell you what's wrong with this. Yeah, I'm sure you will. So, before you finish that sentence, I have a request. Tell me what's right about it. Reframe it. So often, people want to just start out by telling you everything that's not going to be right. Before we do that, let's actually switch to a different part of our brain, interrupt the person, and ask them, wait a minute, before you tell us that, what do you like? What do you think will work? You see, deficit thinkers won't or can't start with the positive. And too often, as a result of seeing black cats walking under ladders and then looking into a broken mirror, they only see the horrible possibilities. Or... As Thomas Edison said in one of my all-time favorite quotes, many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Deficit thinkers tend to give up early and often. Now give up, well, they give up on others, themselves, or the worst, the process that we're all supposed to be following in order to find complete success for everyone around us. Deficit thinking can be a real downer and can really mess with your head. But like most negative thoughts, if we catch it fast, it's like a faucet in our heads. We can just turn it off. That leads me to the story of a few weeks ago with my son, Charlie, and how it sparked this conversation. Weirdly, Charlie was 15 years old when I started this podcast and is now a 21-year-old senior in college who will graduate this year with his history and education degree. (laughs) Hint. Okay, anyway, he and I were out for a walk and he was talking to me about his upcoming year and a few decisions he was needing to make. He started with all the things that were wrong, with all of the ways in which it might not work. And when he said to me, and dad, if the following things happen, well, I'm just not going to do it. Now, a few episodes back, I talked about the power of knowing when your children are dumping or versus venting. And I realized he needed me to listen. And he was just venting. But I got stuck in my own head as I was dancing in the minefield of being a professional who leads others and yet also being his dad. Because I wanted to jump in right away and start to tell him what he needed to do. But we finished our walk. I didn't say much. But when we were done, I said, it seems like you have a lot to think about. Now, for the next few days, all I thought about was he's in deficit mode. He's identified the things he needs to see that'll give him permission to quit. And he will find them because he's looking for them. I don't know how you are, but when I get into my head, (laughs) I really get in there and I have to intentionally stop it. I mean, I actually have to say to myself, what are you doing? My wondering and worrying for him was not about him. It was actually about me. And my worry was this. If I don't say anything to him and he quits, I'm going to regret that very much. So, like a hawk, I hovered around for the next few days, waiting for a natural time to strike. I was sitting in the backyard when that opportunity presented itself. And I was reading a book one evening, and he came out to cool down after his training. And he asked me, Dad, what are you reading about? And I shared that it was about a story of someone who had spun themselves into decades of negativity, and they were stuck, but other people were helping them find his way out. And then I said, Charlie, I want to share something with you. I want to share a worry I have. The other night when you were talking about the upcoming year, you listed all the things you're looking for in order to quit. Can I ask you to reframe that a little bit? Can you show up for these days ahead of you and look for all that is good in the moment? Like what you learned, how you grew, what went well, the moments of fun, and create a list of things that went right instead of looking for the things to that went wrong, the things that you want to use to quit? He shifted a little bit uneasily in his seat and he said, yeah, yeah, I mean, I I did that a little bit last year, but after a while, dad, it gets really difficult to stay in that mindset. I can't just turn it off all the time. And that's when I said, well, when you have a big storm, you have to run into it. It was a received, it was received by him with a gentle eye roll, a nonverbal acknowledgement of, yeah, I, I know that was coming, dad. I knew it. And then he said, yes. And for the remainder of the summer, the last few weeks, I gave myself permission to be curious with him. And every time the opportunity came up to discuss asset thinking, I took it. I listened for the language he'd use that was a deficit and I'd reframe it. I didn't keep pointing it out to him, hey, you're deficit thinking. Instead, gentle and subtle coaching, as well as positive reinforcement when I heard or saw him doing asset thinking. I knew he knew what I was doing and I didn't care. My job as his father is to gently use the wisdom I've collected over my life to support his own accumulation of his own wisdom and yet honor the fact, the fact that he has to make his own choices, just like each of us needs to do with the people we serve alongside with and in our own lives. I mean, if as parents we could just upload our knowledge to our children, parenting would be so easy. It would be boring. And parenting, well, parenting is never, ever boring. Do you know what else isn't ever boring? Leading others, serving others, being there for others. Regardless of your role in life, there are people around you that are slowly being sucked into the vortex of negativity and deficit thinking. And they're not even necessarily aware of what they're doing and why they're doing it. And many times their days are just focused on all the things that are going wrong, will go wrong, or can go wrong. I have to admit that people who hang their heads, quit quickly, or give up on processes before seeing them through, well, that gets me a little bit. And I always respond with a level of obnoxious optimism that, well, sometimes I could take it too far. Asset thinking versus deficit thinking is also a trend in assessing and grading, as well as providing feedback in evaluations for others. I'm a huge believer in tools like the Strength Finder and focusing on what is going right. People know where they are struggling, and they're looking for you and others to guide them into success. And success does not come from hammering on weaknesses and deficits. Yet so many people are so quick to point out what's wrong. Enough! This year is going to be filled with enough challenges. So why don't we move away and try to create more opportunities to be asset thinkers. This week, I'm going to have a downloadable poster on the Buffalo Leadership page at cisa 6org You can go there on Thursday and download it. It is a tool you can use to help others see within themselves how they may be framing a situation, their career, their life, or just even their day-to-day. So here it is. Asset versus Deficit Leadership. It's a two-columned poster, and this should serve for you and for others, the look-fors in the behaviors around you. So, in the asset column, the first one is people who are asset-minded, they're strength-focused. Deficit-minded, they're weakness seekers. Asset-focused, they see the opportunity. Deficit, they see only the problem. Asset, they're reflective about themselves. Deficit, they're deflective. them It's about them, not themselves, the others. Asset, open to change. Deficit, protective of status quo. Asset, optimistic. They bet on winning. Deficit, pessimistic. They bet on losing. Asset, proactive. Deficit, reactive. Asset, possible. Deficit, impossible. Asset, evidence. Deficit, emotion. Asset, resilient. Deficit, quit quickly. Asset, content. Deficit, Complain. Asset, life happens for you. And deficit, life happens to you. And the last one under asset is curious and deficit is judgmental. Thank you, Ted Lasso. I find that in coaching conversations with others, sometimes you have to reframe what is happening and inquire as to how they are viewing the world around them. I like to be around people who want to get after it, whatever it is, and I'm fueled for a while by people who want to focus on deficits just a little while, who act as defeatists, who are pessimistic, who see only the impossibility. I love me a good optimistic versus pessimistic scrap because I always bet on winning. However, I also know that I cannot make someone engaged. I cannot make them happy or content or optimistic. Only they can choose into it. When I was a soccer coach, I could tell within 10 minutes of the warm-ups before a match if we would be competitive that particular day. I watched countless very talented young men and women talk themselves into defeat, that there was no way they could win, that there was no way they'd even have a chance, that they were too tired, or we did too much, or we stayed up too late. There's, I can't be my best. Weirdly, when I began leading alongside others, I could, within minutes of introducing an idea or hearing of a change, chosen or forced... I could predict how the journey would go because I'd see the same behaviors. The athletes, colleagues, family members who would see the realities in front of them, but believe that they could do it, guess what? They always seemed to do it. And those who said things like, I can't do this, well, they never could. Why? When you tell yourself you can't do something and you fill your head with a justification and all of the ways in which you can't, And you describe for yourself and prove to yourself that it's impossible. Well, guess what? It is impossible. You can't win the lottery if you never play. You miss every shot you don't take. You are who you want to be. And I have found that those in life who choose to overcome the obstacles they are facing, well, they rarely, if ever, succumb to the impossible. Here is what I need from you. Stop tolerating the deficit of people around you. Watch for the opportunity to strike and push back on negativity hopelessness, and quitters. One more story before we reflect. A few years ago, I was blessed with the opportunity to teach in an international undergraduate degree program for men and women around the world who were stranded in refugee camps in Africa, the Middle East, and Asia. Every interaction online with my students fueled a few things within me. My inner buffalo, my optimism, my empathy for my world, my gratitude for everything I have, and most of all, it framed every problem I've ever had in my life. It framed my problems as assets and opportunities. Why? These young men and women living in refugee camps dealt with things I never have had to. I have never, not once, not once in my life worried that I wouldn't have water. I have never been afraid to use a public toilet. I have never had to trade my soul for survival. I have never witnessed an execution of a loved one. I have never had my community invaded by a military group seeking to extinguish my ethnicity. I would read the assignments of my students with a huge level of guilt, as well as a desire to try to make it easier for them, wanting to figure out how to help. I would think to myself, these poor people. And right there, that's a deficit mindset poor people. Who am I to judge? I needed to be curious. And when I would read their papers about leadership or life, the people they lived with, and all the different ways in which they had to seek changes on the other side of the world and the overcoming of obstacles they needed to take over just to survive, it framed for me how tenacious these men and women were. How they focus on the assets to succeed and survive. Their paper's always had a theme of gratitude for what they have seen, what they have experienced, what they've lived through, and what they've overcome. One example of asset mindset and focusing on the possible occurred a few years ago when the United States withdrew from Afghanistan. I had an entire class of students in a refugee camp in Afghanistan. The camp was run by the United Nations and was supported by Christian groups, Muslim groups, and Jewish groups. It was a beautiful example of the collaboration that humanity is capable of. However, once the United States military and the international coalition withdrew, a security vacuum was created across the country. And as a result, the region became very unstable, especially where the refugee camps were. I was doing my morning reflections one day, and as I was eating breakfast, I thought, I'm going to check my email and look at my assignments for my students. I had an alert in my email from the camp liaison who worked for the university, and the subject line read, cell towers are gone. Gone. (laughs) The body of the email read, Dear Dr. Knightsky, we are hoping for an extension for our assignment. Last night, the Taliban blew up all of the cell towers in our region, and we don't have the ability to use the Internet. I'm sending this email from a satellite connection in the United Nations building, hoping that you'll get this and respond. It may take me a few days to get back to you. Things are uncertain. Two things. One, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I'm a PhD dropout. That's for a different podcast. And second, holy smoke, I sat there looking at my egg white spinach omelet and my heart was broken, pumping hard. I thought of all the horrors my students had to be living through and all of the refugees and what they must be facing. And I instinctively wrote back, tell them the grade book is closed for class and not to worry about the final assignments. Be safe, be well, and I'll be thinking of you. Three days later, I learned what asset thinking is, what it actually is. It focused on the possible. It's fueled by resilience, and it's about the opportunities we have around us. I opened my email again at breakfast because every day since I had sent that original email, I was worried about what was happening. I mean, here I am sitting in Wisconsin, and these young men and women who I've learned to love are in a state of heightened fear with very little security, and they're in survival mode. I look in my email And each of my students had completed their assignments and had uploaded them using the United Nations satellite link from the building. All of them, in one way or another, thanked me for giving them the out, yet felt it was important for them to finish the class. These Buffalo leaders in Afghanistan were driven by the possibility and the assets all around them. Their final papers on leadership were filled with desires of things I took for granted. Predictability, stability, love, care, security, and service. A sense of hope that drove me to tears as I was reading those papers, as they looked forward to what was possible and how they would never settle for the current state of their lives. They would never give up or succumb to the deficits all around them. Each day provided them the opportunity to just simply have another day a gift that they recognized over the course of their dangerous journey to the camps, their difficulty in existing in those camps, and the constant threats from outside of those camps. Now, with this in mind, I want to challenge you to confront the deficit-minded and push them into asset thinking. I mean, really? We have some awfully good problems, and we tend to magnify many of them in our minds, and amongst others, I'm not... Listen... I'm not discounting what you may be going through, because we are each fighting something. Yet, if we can focus on the assets around us, those battles, well, they're a little easier to survive. Okay, here we go. Two things you can do this week. Step one, reduce your tolerance of those that focus on deficit mindset by positively reinforcing the assets of others in front of them. Take on this personal challenge I'm offering you right now to begin by saying things like, hey, I'm not certain what you're saying is true, because I see someone right there who might have made a mistake and just needs to be supported by us. Things like, I believe their intentions are good. Things like, I think we can do this. Most often, our deficit-minded colleagues and friends are that way because we let them get away with it, and our silence and tolerance of the defeatist thinking reinforces their behaviors. When you see assets, point them out. When others point out the assets, celebrate the other people who had the courage to recognize the assets of others. Now, second, download the poster that will be in the TH3 this week on the CESA6.org website and use it as a tool. I'll have it there by Thursday. Because sometimes it's difficult to just point out the behaviors of the, those around you, especially if they have strong personalities or loud voices or a reputation for gossiping behind our backs. But, We're all looking for someone, anyone, to step into the storm and call out the assets of those around us and the assets of the idea, the assets of the process, the assets of the people and focus on what is good. It's very simple. If you have the paper in front of you and you say things like, I see us being very positive in our challenges today. I love this. I hear it in our voices that we are seeing this problem as an opportunity and I appreciate us seeking solutions instead of casting blame on others. Think of how powerful that would be in a room of adults, professionals, students, even your own family, if someone just started the conversation by talking about what was right. We are, after all, pleasers by nature. We like harmony as humans because it means there are no threats to our personal safety. And when we harmonize around the assets of others, well, we move ourselves to a better space physically and mentally. And that space fuels courage and puts us in the position to be the best versions of ourselves and allows others to be better leaders, colleagues, friends, and family members, if and when we start out with the assets and the positives. So let's do some smart thinking. Describe your habit. Do you lean asset-minded or do you lean deficit-minded? List those around you that would benefit from hearing more about their assets. And describe how you can improve your leadership by focusing on what you do well. That's it. That's the Smart Thinking Podcast. Hey, as always, thank you for listening. Please share this episode with the people you know need to hear it. Wink. Maybe send it to some of those deficit-minded people and ask if it sounds like anybody else. Hopefully, they'll come out of the podcast and say, geez, we need to listen to that. Also, don't be afraid to share this with anybody. Please make sure to rate it on your social media or your podcast platform. And as always, thank you to the Well Pennies for their great music. I had a text exchange with Brian, the co-founder and one of the lead singers of the Well Pennies the other day, and he said they're working on another album, so I'm looking forward to hearing that. Okay, I'm going to end this episode reading you the note that I gave my son Charlie on his last morning home before heading off to St. Norbert College. Now, why do I have the note? Well, when you give kids cards, they don't take them with them. They just leave them on their desk. (laughs) Wait a minute, that sounded deficit thinking. Well, okay, so you know what I actually did? I took a picture of it, and I've been sending it to him every morning. On the inside cover, it says this. Look for the good. It, life, happens for you, not to you. And do not take advice from Joey. That's his roommate. All right, so what it actually says in here as well is it it says, If I may, I want to give you some advice, Charlie. This is the last time in your life, because you're a senior in college, that you'll ever have so much freedom and fun without great responsibility. In order for it to be amazing, you need to do a few things. Today, tomorrow, and always. Number one, control the narrative in your head. If you look for the positive, you'll find it. If you focus on the negative, it'll find you, control you, and make you sad. Happiness comes from working to be happy. Number two, take control. You can reduce stress by being in control, working hard, doing your best, and seeing mistakes as a challenge to improve. And third, be yourself. Who cares about the haters? You are one of the most genuine people I know. Stay you and change only when you decide to give the heart that you have to the one you love. Love, dad. I want you to think about that. Because sometimes when I write these cards to my kids, I actually think I'm writing advice to myself. Because we're all a project. We're all a hot mess. And we all have the opportunity to get better. This week, I want you to focus on a few things. One, improvement. Being the best version of yourself. I want you to be well. I want you to be well for others. I want you to be your best. And finally, I want you to be
0: Buffalo. Love, please. Bring your heartbeat, bring your silence on